0: The more video and photographs you can use, cropped as if you're in the personal space of the people who are seeing that video or that photograph, the more true emotional connections you have with those people. And so what that means is crop that image as if you're four feet away.
1: You know, Adam, it's interesting. We, you know, how many Instagram posts have, have you created or overseen or have we talked about on this show and and something simple like just zoom in, right? You're like, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. And David Mirman Scott, the legendary David legendary, drops some science on this episode of Social Pros.
2: Science. I mean, mirror, you know, neurological mirrors and, and, and this type of science, there are so many great things. And I think this is one of those nuggets where you can kind of reverse engineer something And go, hey, I wonder why this works. Why does it work when we are within this four feet, which is a concept that David talks about uh, on the show and why that feels more intimate and why it seems to work in social media. The analogs between kind of his 20 feet versus four feet, you know, that's been around since, uh, you know, the, the, the caveman and cavewoman years works in social as well.
1: David's new book actually comes out next week as we drop this podcast. It's called Fanocracy. I recommend it to all social pros listeners. We go through a lot of the highlights of the book in this show. You're going to really want to listen closely to this episode because there's a lot of gold in here. Also, special guest star on this podcast i'm not going to tell you who it is yet but about a third halfway through the show you'll hear from our very special guest star who is sitting right next to me right now uh, at social pros headquarters in bloomington indiana so a little teaser out there for you, social pros fans. Also, I'm going to tease you with something that I want you to download. I want you to download it as soon as you finish listening to this episode. It's beginning of, uh, of 2020 as we, uh, as we drop this. So this is the perfect time to, uh, to grab this, print it out if that's how you roll and pay some attention to it. It's from our friends at Salesforce. It's called 50 Social Media Best Practices. Like that sounds like something that people who listen to this podcast would want. 50 Social Media Best Practices. You're going to learn a ton. It's a terrific guy from Adam and his team at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Here's how to get it. Won't cost you a thing. It's the fanocracy after all. Go to bit.ly slash tips50social. Let me give that to you again. B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-I-P-S s five zero social bitly slash tips 50 social to get the 50 social media best practices from our friends at salesforce marketing cloud so that's some of your homework your other homework is to grab a copy of david meerman scott's great book fanocracy you're going to hear about it right now on the social pros podcast Legendary author, marketer, keynote speaker, all-around great guy, deadhead, NASA aficionado, author or co-author of eleven best-selling books. My friend David Merriman Scott, welcome to Social Pros. Thanks,
0: Jay. Wow, what an introduction. I appreciate that. Well, good thing is we're recording this. So you can reuse it anytime you like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna make it my uh, my my inbound um, um, when people call me. That's what they're gonna hear. <laughs> now,
1: Nice. I could, yeah, I, like I could set up as your
0: voicemail. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly right, David. You have a, a new book that comes out as
1: we uh, as we drop this episode next week, next Tuesday, I think, uh, with uh, our friends at Penguin Portfolio, called Fanocracy, and it is terrific social pros listeners uh, i have read each and every page of this book as has my pal uh, adam brown and it is a barn burner if you listen to this show this is one of those books that we recommend to you from time to time that you absolutely must purchase and read uh and fanocracy is 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 right there it actually adam reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, of kind of some of the principles that, that we talked about with pat
2: flynn uh last mm-hmm. fall very much so
1: yeah which is so critical, right? Isn't that what we're trying to do in social is is turn customers into fans or take people who like us and make them love us and fanocracy is kind of the blueprint for that.
2: It really is. And I think what fandom is, has changed and evolved even over the past couple of years. And I think, David, your your book really starts to uh, to articulate that and give actionable kind of insights on on how we can uh, benefit from it. Thank you, Gosh, I appreciate that.
1: Dave, let's start it this way. Why, why don't you tell the social pros listeners, you know, what is fanocracy? How do you, how do you describe it?
0: So fanocracy as I see it is when the fans rule. And so that's why I chose this made up word fanocracy. Uh, a democracy is the rule of the many, a meritocracy, the rule of the, of the, uh, the best and a fanocracy is the rule of the fans. So it's really about an organization that sees that their customers, um, which they will turn into their fans are the most important thing that they're doing. Uh, really, really important stuff. But surprisingly very few people do it.
1: Yeah, isn't that isn't that the case, right? Like I think this is this is one of those principles like like word of mouth marketing where you're like, yeah. I know that to be true. I know it would be good for my business to put the customers first. Like people don't argue that point intellectually yet, in word and in deed, they they don't actually follow through on it. Why why no they don't? Why is it it, very, very rare? Too
0: expensive, too hard. I think that so many people do what they think they should do. Um, you know, you see that you, and you, you've talked about this many times, you know, people think they should spend a lot of money on advertising, whether it's television or radio magazines, whatever. Um, that's what they should do, because that's what people tell them they should do, even though social might be a better way to reach people. Uh, and people think, oh, you know, I've got to do what other people do rather than build fans. Um, and one of my favorite examples of that is early in the, in this book is Haggerty insurance <laughs> everybody hates to buy insurance, and more than that people would even more hate to be to use the product because it meant they crashed their car. Haggerty is a car insurance company, and they have a massive fan base. Mikhail Haggerty, who is the founder and CEO, told me that he didn't want to do everyone what everyone else does. Everyone else, you know, competes with TV commercials of, of little lizards or geckos or whatever the hell they are, um, that kind of thing. But what Haggerty does is they've built a fan base. They they do classic car insurance, they go to hundreds of car shows a year to meet with fans. Um, They have a YouTube channel with uh, a million um, subscribers. They have a driver's club with 650,000 members and they are now the largest classic car insurance company in the world because they're focused not on selling products and services, they're focused on fans.
1: Insurance fans, Adam Brown. That, that's almost like mortuary fans. That is, that, is a, that is a difficult a difficult thing to accomplish, but it is totally doable if you just lean into the fanocracy.
0: And that's it, why I love this example because people say to us, oh, but I'm, uh, you know, fill in the blank, B2B company, enterprise software company, dentist, doctor, lawyer. I can't build fans. Well, a product category every single person on the planet hates has millions of fans.
2: It seems to me, though, David, as you kind of articulate what uh, Haggerty does well, it seems like marketing and advertising and PR from the 60s and 70s. Are we, are we going back in terms of strategy? Or are we going back in terms of tactics? Or is it picking and choosing the best parts of what really worked in the past and adding some kind of future sizzle to make it effective in 2020?
0: I think what it is, um, if I were to boil down this book into one sentence, five years of research <laughs> into one sentence, is that it's a true human connection. And y- yeah, I, I'm not sure that we've that people have focused on that over the last couple of decades. Um, You know, we had we had sort of what Seth Godin calls the the television industrial complex with TV ads. That was not a human connection. Um, Social had a promise of human connection, but a lot of people are not doing it in a human way. Um, And I think getting back to human connection is really powerful. Um, uh, As you know, I co-wrote Fanocracy with my 26 year old daughter when we first started the research. She was 21. And the reason it started is because we started to geek out about what we're a fan. Of, I am a massive live music fan. Seven hundred and eighty live shows in my life since I was fifteen years old. Uh, I still go all the time. Last couple of weeks, I've gone to a couple of shows. And my daughter Ray, and, and seventy-five of those are Grateful Dead concerts. And my daughter Reiko, huge into Harry Potter. Um, seen seen every movie multiple times. Read every book multiple times. Went to Orlando to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter several times. Went to the UK to go to the studio where they film um, the movies. And she wrote a 90,000-word alternative ending to the Harry Potter series where Draco Malfoy is a spy for the Order of the Phoenix. Put it on a fan fiction site. It's been downloaded thousands of times and commented on hundreds of times. She's deep into Harry Potter. And what we both realized is that what our fandoms are— is actually a connection to like-minded people who do the same thing. You know, I'm I'm uh, when I go to Grateful Dead concerts or when I go to just live, any kind of live music conference uh, con- uh, concerts, I'm with my tribe. I'm with people who I know. We speak the same lingo. Um, you know, and particularly my buddy Brian Halligan, who's the CEO of HubSpot. He and I wrote a book called Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead together, and and that fandom we have for Live music and especially the Grateful Dead is among the most powerful connections that we humans have with people who like the same thing. So we've, my, my daughter Reiko and I realized that if we can figure out how companies can tap that power... That it becomes an incredibly powerful tool of business growth, and that 's why and that 's why we, and, and, and we, we didn 't scratch the surface we dug in deep that 's why it took five years to research and write, um, but companies like Haggerty are doing just that they 're doing the same kind of thing with their fans that ex- i 'm experiencing when I go to a Grateful Dead concert. Mm-hmm.
1: We've said in business for so long that you you want to do business with people that you know and people that you like and people that you trust. However, most businesses aren't very good at letting people know you, they're certainly not very good at getting people to like them and they give you no reason to trust them. So, so it's sort of like three, sort of three strikes on the, uh, the boom, boom, we, boom. it's a zero-legged
0: stool, which uh, which three is called le- sitting on the floor. <laughs> three legs of awfulness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's actually so simple, you know, it's just such a simple concept. And Re- Reiko um, was a perfect co-author because of obviously different, Generation. She's my daughter, obviously, different gender, being a woman. Um, She's mixed race, so she has that difference going for her. And she's um, a neuroscientist. She did a neuroscience degree from Columbia University, and now is in her final year of medical school. So, one of the things we did early on was we digged into the neuroscience aspect of this idea of true human connection. What's actually going on in our brain? around true human connection. And um, and we dug in deep, spoke with neuroscientists and really wanted to figure this out. And it turns out there's a neuroscientist named Edward T. Hall who identified four levels of proximity. The furthest level is called public space further than 20 feet. So when you see somebody in your public space further than 20 feet, you know they're there, but you don't really worry about them. Your ancient brain doesn't kick in. Once they get within about... 20 feet and that's social space, our brains kick in and say, oh my gosh, is this a potential enemy or is this somebody I can trust? And then inside of four feet is called personal space. That's where the most powerful human connections happen. And it's hardwired into our brains because we need to know, is this somebody who's um, potentially an enemy? And I have to to put in my fight or flight mode, or is this somebody who I can know and trust someone at a grateful dead concert? And we're part of the same tribe. Um, and, and this idea of proximity is something that explains, um, why, um, when you get into a crowded elevator, you feel nervous. And it explains why when you're at a cocktail party with people that you like and trust that you feel (laughs) wonderful, of course, the liquor helps. Um, but, um, what this means for companies is, can you actually make a point of getting in close physical proximity with your customers? Can you maybe create a a conference to bring your customers together? Can you maybe um, figure out ways, other ways that you can meet them in person? And some people say to me, yeah, David, but you know, this is the social pros podcast. You're talking about actual physical connections and, you know, we run a virtual business or we have a global business, we can't get everybody together. So there's a Another aspect of neuroscience we found called um, it's around mirror neurons mirror neurons are the part of our brains that fire when we see someone do something as if we're doing it ourselves so I'm going to demonstrate now those of you who are listening will not see oh, this visual aid. seeing this on, vi- on video my visual aids are a, a full-blown a real lemon and a slice of lemon.
1: David Meerman Scott has brought citrus to this episode of the Social have, Pros Podcast, which was not part of the show notes.
0: <laughs> so if I take a bite of a lemon, my brain is firing and I could feel. That on my tongue and my saliva starts to go my eyes close, my mouth scrunched up and what's happening is my brain is firing but mirror neurons what's happening is your brain is firing too. And I would guess that even if you were just listening and didn't see the prop didn't see the lemon, your brain is firing and I bet Adam, your brain was firing is because you were seeing that lemon on the video stream here
2: in real time no you're exactly right I mean and that's I think that is that that human emotion of i don 't know if, if, if this is just me I know my wife uh, does this too when I, I cannot watch a movie where I see someone in an emotional pitfall and I know that they're not going to be successful successful. It crushes me. It hurts me. And obviously that manipulation is is part of the storytelling process, but I I love where you're going. It
0: it is. And and that's where mirror neurons come in. It's just a movie, but you actually have your, your, your mirror neurons kick in and your emotions are happening. And that's a fascinating thing that we can use in our businesses, specifically around social. What it means is that The more video and photographs you can use cropped as if you're in the personal space of the people who are seeing that video or that photograph, the more true emotional connections you have with those people. And so what that means is crop that image as if you're four feet away. That's within personal space. Look directly at the camera. And so many people don't do that, you know, when they do videos, they're far away from the camera or they do the 60 minute style interview over the one shoulder, over the other shoulder, and no one's looking at the camera and they're further than four feet away from the camera. It also explains the selfie phenomenon, because if I take a photo with my iPhone as a selfie, uh, my arm is less than four feet away. Uh, from my face, I'm looking at the camera, that's a powerful connection. So the mirror neurons kick in and say, this person is in my personal space. So all of us can use that um, as we Create websites, have photos, not stock photos, but photos of real people on every page cropped as if you're in personal space, have videos on every page. Uh, and when you do visual related social networks, um, Instagram is a great example, use as many photographs of people cropped in that way as possible. And it, it is incredibly powerful because it's hardwired into our brains and you're you're triggering those mechanisms of of very very strong emotional connections with people
1: such great advice for social pros listeners especially in your visual social media feature people and and crop it tight make make people feel like they are in the scene make them be part of the scene not an observer of the scene at a distance not only is it a best practice i think from a from a graphic design standpoint, but certainly from uh, a psycho-neurological perspective, as David Merman Scott, co-author of Fanocracy, has so intelligently brought to the table in this episode. David, one of the things that uh, Adam and I loved about the book was the use of, of pull quotes of so just individual tweetable lines uh, that, that you can just pick out of every chapter, every two or three per chapter that really make the the key points of the book sink in. And so what we thought we'd do here uh, in this episode is is read back to you six of our favorite uh, quotes from the book and and get you to react to those and, and kind of interpret them for the social pros listener. who game for Sounds that? Sounds great. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Adam, I think you got the first
2: one. I do have the first one. And the interesting thing about this one, David, is I think half of this you've kind of spoken about, but I want you to speak about the other half. One of Jay and I's favorite pull quotes is the idea of focus on product alone results in a race to the bottom. Now, I think you've already given us some hints kind of around the idea that we need to show people in 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 your featurettes that you need to show interaction that it needs to be kind of within that four feet for the miller neurons standpoint in terms of just showing a product hero shot we're going to show interaction and very close interaction with that but talk about it a little bit for more from a larger strategic standpoint focus on product alone results
0: in a race to the bottom sure of course Uh, and that's true of of practically any product if if you're just focused on in your social as well as on your in your marketing and the way you approach people that um product alone, then you set yourself up to compete only on price uh, or only on feeds and speeds or only on other, some other uh, measurable way. But instead, if you're focused on the humanity of the people, then you're much more likely to grow um, your business. You're much more likely to grow fans. I mean, I'll give you a real quick example. Um, we talk about Duracell on the book, um, battery company, absolutely a commodity product. And uh, the idea is you can race to the bottom with Duracell, but one thing they've done, they have something called the Power Forward Program. They give away free batteries to people who are the victims of natural disasters, hurricanes and floods, floods and fires, at a time when the power is out. That's when batteries are most in demand. That's when they can sell batteries for a higher price than normal. And instead, what Duracell does is they bring in trucks and give away batteries for free. Literally tons of batteries, hundreds of thousands of batteries. And this builds fans. It's not about the product. It's not about selling and gouging people when the moment is right. It's about giving them away. And that builds fans for life. And they're willing to pay a little bit more for Duracell than the cheaper battery.
1: David, one of the other uh, poll quotes that Adam and I loved was, was this one, that your relationship with your customer starts with your curiosity about them.
0: Absolutely. So one of the um Uh, the really interesting chapters my daughter wrote, and we ended up, we actually wrote the individual chapters ourselves rather than try to run right from one unified voice, which was really hard. Um, And uh, Reiko wrote a chapter based on a concept called narrative medicine. She's um, finishing up her medical degree now, and she's an expert in narrative medicine, which she learned at Columbia University. It's the idea of understanding the entire patient, the story of their life, rather than just their symptoms and when you understand the story of a patient's life you can create treatment especially for them rather than just something generic based on the symptoms and she tells the story of jeremy which is a pseudonym for um, uh, an older gentleman who was suffering from a blood cancer and jeremy said i'm an artist i'm an amateur artist the most important thing in my life is my art Um, My treatment should be focused on on allowing me to do my art as long as possible, not on keeping me as al- alive as long as possible. And once they knew that the doctors could change the, um, the treatment such that Jeremy could do his art as long as possible. And that's the idea in the medicine sense of understanding your, your customer stories. Um, and the same thing is true of any business. It's understanding that customer story, understanding who those people are.
2: The next quote that um, that Jay and I really um, found resonated with us, David, uh, as we kind of go through our favorite pull quotes from Fanocracy was uh, interesting to me because as I read it, it made me perceive that you're kind of focused on the ideas of the long game. The quote was, a genuine interest in your customer Leads leaps from transaction to fan, fanocracy. The idea that a transaction, at least, and David, tell me if I have this right or not, it's more about that immediate sell. And fanocracy is really about that long lead. It's about a relationship with this customer and lifetime value. Am, am I getting that perception that you're uh, implying? They're accurate.
0: You are. You are. And especially if you start to build fans, then they're going to support you for the long term and if you're just in the nature just in the idea of selling products bang 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 product after product after product um you know that's a hard slog and and i'll give you just one manifestation of that um so we looked at this idea of giving gifts without any expectation of re- anything in return, which I, I'm a, I mean, we can get into the woo woo. Which is a true gift. Definitely kind of, a true yeah, gift. That, right. The, right. We can get into the kind of the woo woo aspect of that, you know, the airy fairy bits of of the more you give to the universe, the more the universe gives back, which by the way, I believe deeply. It's why I leave a $5 bill on the pillow every night. that I stay at a hotel um, for the for the cleaner the next morning. And I, I give a $5 bill to every Uber driver that um, I'm never going to see them again. Um, and it's a matter of giving a gift to the universe. But here's where I think, it becomes interesting for social is that so many people, when they're doing transactional based marketing, transactional based business, will put a gate around the content that they create, whether that's a white paper, ebook, whatever it is. But if you give a gift without any, any expectation of anything in return, give that white paper for free, that's much more likely to get people who become your fans and who at some point will make a decision themselves without having to get into your into your sales funnel that they might want to do business with you. And sure, you can have an offer inside that free white paper. That's okay. But making that initial content for free Is incredibly powerful and that will build fans rather than just um, base your company on the transaction of taking the white papers, download, request, email, and then trying to sell to that person.
1: David, in the spirit of fanocracy, we have a very special guest here on this episode of the Social Pros Podcast. Anthony Hilda's here. He's been sitting very quietly uh, while we record this podcast. Anthony runs Anthony's uh, Landscape and Yard Service right here in Bloomington, Indiana, where I'm from. He's a big fan of the Social Pros Podcast and an even bigger fan, rightfully so, of David Mirman Scott. So we invited him to sit in on the show because he is uh, a big fan. He's gonna ask you about the next uh, the next poll quality. Anthony, uh, take it away.
0: Oh, wow, how exciting. Hey. Anthony, how are you? I'm so so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that um, you're going to ask a question. And um, I love the fact that you're you're into the Social Pros podcast. You're into figuring out how to market. So um, let's have it. Thanks for having me. The next one
1: is welcoming fans into our inner world's melts barriers between seller and buyer.
0: Ah, great one. Welcoming fans into our inner world, opening up the kimono, letting people peek behind the curtain. Uh, We first thought of this idea as being really important when we were invited. um, Well, actually, when we made a reservation at a restaurant and we booked the chef's table, the chef's table was inside the restaurant's kitchen. Uh, They have one rest. We have one table in the kitchen, literally in the kitchen. And you can see people working and making the meals and you can smell it and it's sizzling and all of the chrome. It's amazing. Um, Very, very, very few restaurants do that, but letting people into the inner sanctum to see how the food is created was amazing. Another example is grain surfboards, which I'm a massive fan of. Um, There is a grain surfboard, and grain surfboards makes wooden surfboards. Yes, they'll sell you a wooden surfboard, but they have a wooden surfboard build your own class. You can go to grain surfboards in York, Maine, and build your own surfboard, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing, because they have a very proprietary technique for building surfboards. It's a boat building technique with ribs and then laminate wood over the top of the ribs. And That is a thing, that's something that they invented. So most companies would say, oh, no, no, no. That's our proprietary technique. We're not gonna show you how that's done. But there's like, sure, four days, you can come in and make your own surfboard. I've actually made two. And letting me into their inner sanctum to work together with their artisans to make my own surfboard was a fabulous, fabulous experience. Um, now, I mean, I'm kind of wondering for your business, Anthony, I'm wondering what-
1: Anthony's can, going to allow his customers to mow their own grass and charge them
0: double. It's going to be incredible. I, oh my God. I was wondering the same thing is like, I'm thinking to myself, what can what can Anthony do to, um, to bring people into his inner sanctum? And um, I'm not sure what it is, but something around design could be really cool. Um, having people- um, work with you to design the landscape, um, in such a way that maybe you're both, um, d- drawing. I'm, I'm not sure I'm I, I'm thinking out loud here, but.
1: Yeah. Cause a lot but, of times in a landscape plan, they just give you, they, they go off to their magic workshop and it's opaque and they come back with a drawing. That's exactly what happened do, right? to but me. If it's more co-creation across the desk. And I think Anthony does some of that. already. I've, I've, yeah. I've been, I've done that a few times where, Hey, you pick the plants or shrubs that you want to put in there and they love being involved and having, you know, their ideas on the table for that. So that has worked extremely well. I'm going to do that more often.
0: As someone who went through that process about two years ago, we did a renovation on our house and needed a new Mm -hmm. landscape plan. And it's, and, Jay, what you described is what happened. Um, I said, we said that we walked around and the property and they gave us some, uh, you know, we had a conversation and they went away for two weeks and they sent a plan and billed me $2,000 or whatever for the plan, not even for the plants, but for the plan. And, and, and had they sat down and said, okay, clear the decks for three hours we're gonna get out our CAD software and, and work together to create this plan and um, talk about each individual element, I think we would have come up with a different plan than if they just went away and, um, and drew it and sent it to us. So maybe maybe something like that would work for you, Anthony, but it's the idea is letting people see you in action, showing your proprietary techniques, letting people see more than they normally would um, lifting the curtain in that way, no matter what business you're in, allows people to be more um, of your fan because they're like, wow, you know, I, now I really get what this person's doing, what this professional, how, how amazingly um, um, skilled they are based on watching them work. And I'm much more likely to recommend them to my friends.
2: I think there's so much there, David. I mean, I think there's a, there's a foyeristic piece of this. I think there is an educational piece. We all kind of want to get to know more from people who do whatever we're we're talking about professionally. And I think there's that sense of, of pride that comes from when you know that your fingerprint. Is, is on it, and by having that level of participation that, that that you and Anthony spoke about really really resonates with me, and I, I think I understand it
0: and good, good on both of you, Jay and Adam, for bringing Anthony in because you 're doing exactly what we 're talking about you 're having a listener sit in. As you're creating the podcast, how cool is that? I mean, talk about getting into the inner sanctum. Well, <laughs> you and, you, and
1: you never know because my, my wife, uh, who does all the hard things, uh, was looking for a new uh, yard service and landscape consultant here in Bloomington. And Anthony was referred to us by uh, a friend. And he said, oh, your name is Allison Bear. Have you ever heard of, uh, of Jay Bear? I think he lives in <laughs> Bloomington too. She's like, yeah, he's my husband. He's right there. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so and so and so here we are. So um, Adam Brown is now replaced uh, by Anthony as co host of the social post by
2: everyone. Uh, great, uh, yes, thank you. Great. Three thank, years. Years,
1: thank you for your years of service, Adam. Uh, we <laughs> appreciate it. That's fantastic. Nice. Adam, you got the next one?
2: I, I do. And I think this one segues perfectly into kind of what we were talking about there. I think a lot of this that we're talking about today is about how to get our, our, our customers and our prospective customers to get involved. But at the same time, getting our employees and our team members involved is, is such a huge part. And whether we call these programs ambassador programs or evangelist programs, this next quote is, is so strong for me. Authentic advocacy from inside your organization will inspire the enthusiasm, enjoyment, and passion that create
0: Phenocracy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Reiko coined one of my favorite phrases in the entire book, and it's this passion is infectious. Passion is infectious. So the idea is that when you have people who work for you, who are passionate about what they do, and also who are passionate about life, that it's much more likely to attract people to be fans of your organization um you know many many people sort of have their work life over here and their business life over here i mean and their personal life over here you know the work life goes on linkedin and the and the personal stuff goes on facebook and never will those two things meet but what we've found is people who push put themselves out there and share what they're passionate about and um, and, and share that, you know, in my case, gosh, I love to go to live music. I love to surf. I'm not very really good at it, but I love it. Um, you know, these things are things that I share. And that, that sort of shows the kind of person I am. Um, we spoke with Dr. John Marashi. He's a dentist. And he's got a fabulous Instagram uh, Thirteen thousand followers, I think. One of the reasons is because he loves to skateboard and have images of him skateboarding. And so he's the dentist who loves to skateboard. That's completely different than every other dentist whose Instagram has the before and after dirty teeth and clean teeth shots. And um, and so he's he's doing great. He's thirty percent growth this year from from his Instagram alone. Um, and we had we spoke with some CEOs about this idea of hiring passion. They all, almost all of them said they'd rather have someone who's passionate in their personal life than just has the qualifications on their resume. One person told us this is how they hire new employees. They go through the interview process. The most important question is this, if you were in a room with 2,000 people, what could you confidently say you were the best at? And that gets people to open up about their personal life because as, as customers, we would much rather engage with somebody who's passionate about the stuff they do on their off time. And that passion is infectious for the way they treat you as a, as a, in that particular business or with that particular company.
1: It's so true, whatever you do in your personal life is typically infinitely more interesting than your business life unless you're an astronaut or a lion tamer or or, or something else right and, uh, and, and you know they say in in n b a circles right you can't teach height and by the same <laughs> token that's awesome you can't you can't train passion right you, you got hire a- Amber Neslin and I wrote about this in the Now revolution a decade ago that it, that you have to hire for passion and train for skills because you can train any skill, but you can't train passion. And ultimately, I think the measure of a good company is, are your employees your biggest fans? Like yes. if your employees aren't raving fans of the brand, like that tells you everything you need to know yes. about that organization. Like the rest is just details. And if that's the case, you don't have a hiring problem. You know, you have a culture problem.
0: Uh, and, and I think people- and You have a problem them. at the top in that yeah. case, because this yeah. the, the culture and the passion come usually comes from the top the management team. And, and the more you build that, the better. And you can't fake it. It has to be real. You, know, you, you look at um, um, glass door ratings and see what people say about a company. You can't manufacture good glass door ratings. That comes from the culture that's created at the top. It's funny to say that we've actually been doing a lot more glass door uh, consulting. at convince
1: & convert for brands who are trying to like, hey, how do we, how do we get more reviews? How do we handle this? Like, you know, they, they're realizing that it's having a material impact on their actual recruitment strategy. It does. Right? It like does because you know, people care about it. Yeah, people have been laissez faire about it for a really long time, mm-hmm. and at their at their own peril. Uh, <laughs> at this point, it's pretty important. David, we're going to ask you uh, the two questions that, that we ask uh, all of our guests here on the Social Pros Podcast. Oh, Adam, you want to you want to talk about new rules? I forgot about that. Go go for it.
2: One last question for you, David, because this this brought me back. I mean, when we began to do show prep, and I realized that we were having you on this show. Uh, you wrote the new 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 rules of marketing, uh, the new rules of marketing and PR in two thousand seven, I believe. Is that yes. right? Yes.
0: Uh, yep. I was I was writing it in 05 and oh six. That was pre Twitter. Facebook was only for students, and it originally came out in two thousand seven.
2: 2007 I had just started at the Coca-Cola company starting up digital communications first time the company had had that organization and we were trying to figure out this thing called Facebook because as you (laughs) said, it was only for students and they are about to plan to flip the switch. You sold 375,000 copies of this amazing book. It's been translated into 29 languages. My question and my last question for you, sir, is what has changed most since then? There have been so many changes in our industry. But what and how has the fan movement impacted marketing, PR and social since uh, you wrote those first words in
0: 2007? So what I think is happening, and I know you, I know you're all hearing, seeing this as well, for sure, is that too many organizations and too many people are abusing these channels. And in many ways, it's become a cold and polarized world. That's also partly the fault of the social networks themselves, because, um, you know, these days, and, and I know you've talked about this a lot too, these days, if you don't, pay you sometimes don't get seen uh, on the social networks and um, the algorithms favor putting you into a box um, you know, politically and based on the products and services that you're looking at um, you know with ads following you around um, and you know ai is can be awesome and um but i think people will be disappointed if they're communicating and they don't recognize it's with a robot. So I think that we're in an environment now where the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of superficial online communications. And for many of us, um, we need to figure out how we can get back to a genuine human connection. And that's actually what was going through my mind five years ago when I said, I've got to figure out you know i 'm the guy who wrote the new rules of marketing and PR and lots of people have read that, and lots of people are now abusing that channel i 've got to figure out what 's next and i don 't say what 's next as in as in socials going away and marketing online is going away it 's not, but what 's next in terms of how can we more effectively reach people and I sometimes feel a little bit depressed that that the social channel is so abused but there are I've certainly many, many people who don't abuse that channel, but, um, um, I, I really wish that it, that it was, you know, I, I, I the nostalgia for the early days. Do you remember, you remember the early days, like call it for argument's sake, 2010. Um, and we'd maybe go to be at South by Southwest and, you know, you'd run into people that, you know, from social and everything was so like, Unicorns and rainbows. We're never going to go back to that, but I do think that we can add humanity. And that's what I hope we can all do is bring humanity back to that social channel.
1: That would be great. I remember doing those South, Southwest events and yeah. David has uh, been very, very kind with his advice and counsel to me in my career. So I thank you for that, my friend.
0: Oh, thank you, Jay.
1: Yeah, well, and and to speak, you know, new rules and now people use it and they misuse it. You also wrote the incredible book, Newsjacking, which people now misuse all the time. You're sort of the Oppenheimer of digital marketing, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like. You have uh, have put great things into the world, which have been uh, then used for malfeasance.
0: I know, you know, sometimes it, I I don't know, whatever, I get a little bit depressed about it, but the the newsjacking... just as a sidebar, is kind of cool because that word was named to the Oxford English Dictionary recently, which um, I'm incredibly honored by. Um, yeah, that so, is
1: that is something. Yeah, I mean, you're like, yeah, you know, I got sold a lot of books and done a lot of cool things, but when you coin a word that goes in the actual real deal dictionary, that's that's got to be like, you know, what that that second line of the obituary, isn't it? I mean, uh, so it's yeah. got to be in the, it's got to be right there. That's a good I, one.
0: I think that's a good one. I think that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, fanocracy yeah. that is next. Fanocracy yes. is next. I keep and, waiting and for you. Know, you know, Adam, Adam, I, I actually spent six months coming up with a title because I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted a word that I could own, but not own it in terms of trademarks. I didn't trademark it, but own it in the sense that I own the URL and the first person to write about it, I wrote the book about it, but a, a word that other people would use. And I don't know whether that's gonna happen with fanocracy, but I went down the same path that I did with newsjacking to try to have yep. the same thing happen. And who knows whether it will, um, but um, geez, I worked well with newsjacking, so I wanted to try it again mm-hmm. with fanocracy. David, two questions as we
1: wrap it up. Thanks again for your time. And, and uh, Social Pros listeners, go grab yourself a copy of, uh, of Fanocracy. I've given my preview copy uh, to Anthony, uh, who's going to, uh, is going to read it after this episode concludes. He's holding it in his hands now. Love it. You're in the studio. David, if you could give our listeners just one tip, people who are looking to become
0: a social pro, what would you tell them? This is fun. Uh, It's fun to do this. And the more fun you have with it, I think the more successful you can be using these social tools.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We had an episode, uh, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, Adam, uh, about self-care uh, for mm-hmm. social uh, pros and people who do this for a living and just how hard of a job this is. You're always on, you know, you're, you're dealing with uh, people who are unhappy with your brand from time to time. This is not an easy way to make a living and perhaps harder than ever, but you're exactly right. Like we can't lose sight of the fact that this is at its core fun or it should be. You know, it's not its not mine and coal.
0: I believe that to be absolutely true. You're, you're connecting on a human level with people. And that's awesome. That, that, it goes back to our ancient um, brains, you know, that we crave human interactions. And when you make it a human interaction, um, there's lots of really positive karma that comes back to you. If you just look at it as text on a screen and images on a computer, it's not. Uh, But if if you think of it as every single one of those bits of text is a breathing human, that's powerful stuff.
1: Well, and when you get those magic moments, right, where you do connect with a customer or a prospect in an authentic way, or you, you give them some sort of assistance through social care and and you really connect with them and help them. It's like playing golf, right? Like I, I, I at one point was okay. And now I haven't played forever. But the one thing I remember about playing golf is no matter how bad you play, it just takes one good shot to get you coming back. Right. And and I think, and I think (laughs) social media is the same way. Like I think social pros listeners know what I'm talking about, right? It can be a bad day at the office, but, but But that one Instagram post that somebody says, man, that really made me smile. That makes you want to come back tomorrow. And we got to not lose sight of that.
0: It it absolutely does. And then, you know, every once in a while, we've all had the experience that something you toss out there all of a sudden gets a bazillion views um, or shares or or likes or whatever the metric is. And and it's surprising, like what in the world is going on here? And you kind of analyze it and go, oh, yeah, it was a throwaway, but it was awesome.
1: David Meerman Scott, co-author of Fanocracy, our guest this week on the Social Pros Podcast. Last question for you. And I can't wait to hear your answer to this because you're such an interesting person and so well-traveled. If you could do a video call with any living person, who would
0: it be and why? Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Because she... Not where I was headed. Not what I was expecting. Because here's what's really interesting about her. She grew up as a Disney star. um, And she... um, has transformed herself multiple times. She's her own woman. Um, She's a fabulous singer, by the way. I, um, as you know, I'm a huge live music fan. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Um, And Miley Cyrus announced a club tour backed by the flaming lips a couple of years ago. And I tried to get all my friends to go with me. Nobody would go with me. So I went by myself. And it was a fabulous show. I was at the house of blues in Boston, um, you know, about a 2000 person venue. I was on the floor. I was probably 20 feet away from her and it was amazing. And, um, and she's also absolutely freaking fabulous with social. Um, and so I, I absolutely admire someone like that who could, go, could have gone down any path, you know, could have um, retreated and not been public. Could have gone down the substance abuse abuse path, but but she um, she really uh, I, I admire her in so many ways, and I would love to get on a um, a video chat with her, or better yet, meet her in person.
1: She reminds me a little bit of the postmodern Madonna in the way that she mm. yes uh, shapeshifts and, and controls her own narrative.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you, uh, you you didn't expect me to pick uh, Miley Cyrus. No, we have the headline of the show. Uh,
1: why David Mirman Scott has uh, eschewed the Grateful Dead and embraced Miley Cyrus? That will be. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna newsjack our own podcast. Uh, nice, <laughs> David. Thanks so much for being here. Congratulations uh, on the fantastic book. Our best wishes to Reiko as well, uh, folks. Make sure you get a copy of Fanocracy uh, on behalf of Adam Brown from Salesforce. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert with special guest star anthony hill from anthony's landscape vineyard service in bloomington indiana this has been the social pros podcast david i appreciate it
0: thank you very much Jay. adam anthony it was an awesome show thank you so much guys we'll
1: see you next week make sure you uh tune in to the podcast tell your friends we appreciate each and every one of you now 400 and whatever number of episodes this is uh, hopefully we are doing what we can to build a fanocracy see you next time